Solomon Kinley in the backfield. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. And Tua throwing the other way to a wide open Durham spike for the touchdown. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Diagnosis. Shotgun. Murray. Prognosis. Out of the pocket. Seven seconds. Osmos. Six seconds. Murray. The doctor. Miraculous! TC Martin. It's very magic! The doctor now in. Hour number two. Terrible Tuesday edition. Hit us on Twitter at TC Martin21 at VGK Frank. You got some terrible Tuesday thoughts. Oh, yes. Plenty today. All right. Tomorrow on the program. James Donaldson is going to join us, former NBA player. Uh, he's got a book out as well, too, so we're going to talk to him. Another seven-footer. Maybe we'll see if we can get him and the other seven-footer on the program, both Sacramento Sports Hall of Fame guys. All right, so James Donaldson jo- joins us tomorrow. Scott Spritzer as well. Friday at the Cosmopolitan. Come on out and join us for our best bet segment and everything else. No better place to be than the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Ballpark, Frank. Numbchuck on the other side, proverbial glass. T.C. Martin with you right here. Remember, streaming live all the time at tcmartinshow.com. All right, let's revisit what we talked about yesterday with the Raiders' comeback win, that miraculous victory over the Jets. And uh, today, I want to get the New York-slash-New Jersey side of view with a good friend, Daniel McCartan, who is on the radio there in New York, WFAN Radio. You can catch her at McCartan After Midnight uh, on the weekends as well, too. Been covering the Giants, the Jets, for a long time, and uh, glad to have her on with us. Daniel, what is happening? TC, thanks for having me. Hey, Frank, how are you? We've been a long time ago at... Uh... At the uh, the practice facility for the Golden Knights, so nice to oh, yeah. talk to you again. Yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, good good to hear your voice again too. And of course, after midnight for you is just nine p.m. out here on the West Coast. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> I know. So good. Let's grow the the Vegas team, why don't we? <laughs> and, and what is also unusual is, is Daniel's actually been a guest on my show when I've been on vacation. Because I know when Magnum and, and yourself, Frank, and other people have yeah. hosted, they've yeah. had Danielle on. I said, wait a minute. She's been on my show when I've been off, <laughs> so i got to have her on. So there you go. So I'm, I'm glad to finally actually officially have you on, So even though well, you, you've been on before. How's that? Well, here we are. There we, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Raiders-Jets, the aftermath. The Raiders get a much-needed win on Sunday at the Meadowlands. The Jets remain winless. Defensive coordinator Greg Williams gets fired. Daniel, what was the mood like in New York slash New Jersey the way the Jets lost this game? You mean you didn't hear the cheering of the Jets fans all the way out there? And, 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 see, and see, that's the thing, too. And the other part I was going to ask you, or do they even care? No, no. We care out here, okay? <laughs> but um, we, me included, I was sitting here watching the game right in my living room, and I could not believe what I was seeing. I'm like, oh, my God, Derek Carr, there's no way he's going to do this. And then Greg Williams calls a cover zero defense, which, I don't know, you don't even do that if you're playing Madden in a video game. You wouldn't do that. You would play a a previous defense because, obviously, the touchdown wins the game, and a field goal does nothing for them. So he does an all-out cover zero blitz, and they they put a rookie undrafted wide uh, cornerback on, on the 
wide receiver that runs a 4-2-7 40-yard dash time, which is like blinding speed. I mean, Greg Williams, as soon as it happened, Greg Williams was trying to lose this game for the Jets. And when I talk about this story on my show uh, this weekend, I already have a perfect song picked out for it. I'm going to play uh, Thanks, Mariah Carey, When a Hero Comes Along, because he is a hero to the New York Jets fans in this area, Greg Williams. And unfortunately, you know, he did lose his job over it, but thank you from all the Jets fans to you, Greg Williams, for your service. So, and that kind of leads us to this, and I think it's kind of a, a crazy thought, but anytime a team is so ar- so far out of contention, it doesn't matter what sport. We hear this in the NBA a lot, even Major League Baseball, but even especially in the NFL, the term tank comes into play. You know, teams seeking that number one overall draft pick. You know, the Jets uh-huh. didn't lose this game on purpose. A lot of people think they lost this game on purpose, and there will be you know, people out there that will say that in conventional wisdom. But anyone who's covered an NFL team, they're in a locker room. You know that these guys are out there trying to win games. They're not tanking. Now, management may have a little different sense, but players and coaching staffs, they're fighting for their jobs. They're not trying to tank. But still today, I'm sure, especially back in New York, that people are are thinking this, that Greg Williams probably did this on purpose, which I really fail to believe. Now, Jets fans will be happy, but really, Daniel, when you think about this, even if the Jets would have pulled this game out, okay, they get off the schneid, they get a win, they're probably still going to have a worse record than the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are at least competitive week in and week out. TC, there's so much there that you just said, but I have to, I have to respectfully disagree with you because the dynamic between the defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, and, and you have to understand the dynamic. First, well, first, let me start by saying that Marcus May, who is uh, – you know, one of the veterans on that defense, he openly questioned the play call at the end of the game. He's a team um, captain, but, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the players, obviously the players, as a former athlete myself, you're never trying to tank for anything. However, when you understand the dynamic between Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator, and Adam Gase, I call him Adam Guru on my team because he was marketed as that, and he is everything but that. So Adam Guru and Greg Williams were really operating as two separate factions. It was like, it was like Adam Gase's team was the offense, and then um, Greg Williams's team was the defense. And there really wasn't much collabor- collaboration between the two of them. Now, when you go to, I forget which week it was, but there was an argument between the two of them on the sidelines. So you can only imagine what was going on um, behind the scenes. So I actually think that Greg Williams did not want to have yet another 0-16 team tied to his name, which the Cleveland Browns also as well. And I think he just had enough. I think he's trying to go for a, for a head coaching job somewhere else. He wanted to get a head start on the competition, throw his name out there. And he had, he, uh, he has no respect for Adam Gates to begin with. So by him calling that blitz, it, it, I mean, the play call in itself is highly questionable. There were players questioning it to begin with. I think totally, I think it was done on purpose. I even tweeted it. I tweeted that he was going to lose his job. I, it was like, yesterday, I was eating dinner at whatever time, 530, and I said, you know what? I think Greg Williams loses his job this week. Less than or 18 hours later, he lost his job. So I, I think that um, it was completely done on purpose. Um, and he's just reason why it was. I mean, okay, let, let me say this, simple. Daniel. Okay, Greg Williams is a, a very aggressive guy. He's an angry guy at times, and we've seen that. Like you mentioned, whatever team he's been on, he has clashed with mm-hmm. players. He's clashed with his head coaches. I, 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 I totally get that. And what I think it is, I mean, yeah, he was going to say, hey, we've been blitzing this guy all day. We're going to put a stamp on this. It was more ego for Greg Williams than anything else because if he really wanted to win the game, 
just, again, he's not going to lose on purpose because he knows that he's probably going to lose his job. But you just go prevent. You send three rushers, four rushers, and we know the stats, and we went over it yesterday. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, people are th- throwing at least six rushers, uh, you know, um, you know, at, at the quarterback there. It's r- ridiculous not to drop back seven, eight guys on this thing. I think it was just Greg Williams just being an egomaniac, saying, "Yeah, you know, we're going to send this guy on his back, and this is the way we're going to end the game." I don't think he thought he was going to lose the game. No, I disagree. I think it's speaking of egos. I think he meant to really stick it down the gates, uh, in my opinion. Okay. He was like, you know, you know what? This guy has been a fan of my side this entire season. This is the one game that the Jets can actually win if you look at the schedule for the rest of the season. And I think he was like, you know what? Bring the house. Okay. A defensive coordinator in the NFL. Why would you not decide to put a prevent defense on there? Like, you even do that when you play Madden on your PlayStation. Like, you do a prevent defense in that situation. He absolutely knew what he was doing, and and he got fired for it. But you know what? He really, really embarrassed Adam Gase because did you see the post game press conference? He had no. The guy was speechless for the first time right. in his life. Could not explain it, and he embarrassed him in front of the entire league. I think that was the motivation, in my opinion. You know, one of the interesting sidebars of this. Um, that I haven't heard a lot of people talking about yet because you mentioned that the cheer in New York was very loud because the Jets did lose because they want that number one draft pick. Obviously, it was loud out here because the Raiders are still alive for the playoffs. But if they got the number one draft pick, would they take Trevor Lawrence? Because there's talk now. I don't know if there's any truth to it that he's actually told Dabble Sweeney that if the Jets decide that they want him, that he might stay for a senior year. Would they take Lawrence? Would they use it for trade bait? Or what would they do should they get that number one pick? Well, in the beginning, I was on. Uh, it's a good question because in the beginning, I was on the. You know what? Let Sam Darnold get surrounded by some weapons, bandwagon, and then you know what? It was more of a sinking ship because when you look at Sam Darnold's contract and what's remaining on it, I mean, he's got one year left on his rookie deal, which is you know manageable money, but then he's guaranteed twenty-five million dollars after that. So he's not a quarterback that has really shown what he can do, you know, with some limitations, of course, around him number one being the head coach, which has stymied his growth since he left college. But hopefully that head coach will be out next year. But what I'm trying to say long-windedly is that absolutely the Jets, I mean, tank for Trevor has been for a year, all right, one calendar year uh, around here already, that you know, the rallying call. So um, will Trevor Lawrence pull an Elon Henning on draft day? You know, that to be seen. But, you know, when you look at the Jets situation moving forward, you heard, Bill Cowher throw his name into the coaching ring for the Jets. I think that would be amazing hire. Okay, that brings instant credibility to a team that's been lacking it for the past decade. Then you got the second best cap salary cap situation in the entire league for next year, and they have um, a second only to the Jaguars, by the way. And and they have like eight some like eighteen picks over the next two years in in the draft. So if the Jets really wanted to turn this around, that's the angle I would go in order to try to lure Trevor Lawrence to the Jets because it's going to take some work, obviously. Yeah, there's no guarantee. I don't know if he would go back to Clemson. He could just pull an Eli Manning, like what he said, and just, you know, hey, I'm, well, I, I refuse TV, to go TV, Listen, this guy's due a ton of money, and he's presumptive the first pick in the draft. What if he goes back to Clemson? And God forbid tears his NCL or something. No, that's why I don't think he, he would go back that. to Clemson. He he he's yeah. made it sound like he doesn't want to play with for for the Jets. And, yeah. and again, just Oh, it's know, probably just and, a negotiating ploy exactly. or something like that. Yeah, but, but it is something that is out there. Yeah. 
Well, as we know, that he already decided to, hey, I'm going to go out here on senior day, even though I'm not a senior. So <laughs> I don't think he yeah, has the intention of going to Clemson. Daniel McCartan joins us, WFAN Radio. We're talking uh, Jets, uh, New York. Uh, Daniel, before we, we get into the Giants, I want to touch on that as well, too, just uh, uh, finishing up here on the Jets. It seems like a foregone conclusion that Adam Gase and the entire coaching staff will be gone at the end of the season. Do you think that this was a directive from management to said, hey, Gase, go ahead and, and fire Greg Williams and get him out of here because maybe Adam Gase thinks that there is this last straw that he can actually come back, or is it just a done deal that this entire staff is gone in four weeks? Uh, I think it's, it's totally a done deal. I mean, I would have fired the guy after he lost to the 0-11 Bengals last season, but that didn't happen. But um, it's pretty much a foregone conclusion. You've seen the way his tone has changed in the press conferences. He's, like, toying with reporters. He's snide. He's sarcastic even more than normal. I think he knows. And so what's going on is um, Woody Johnson, part owner of the Jets, he's actually, for the past four years, in the Trump administration in, in London, England, doing whatever he was doing, ambassadorship. And now, since Trump is most likely going to be voted out of office, he's coming back. So everybody around here is like, oh, good. When Woody gets back, he's going to clean house. Because Christopher Johnson doesn't have the stones to do it, is what his people are telling me on Twitter. He doesn't have the stones to, to pull any sort of triggers, Christopher Johnson. So when Woody comes back, he's going to blow the whole thing up. Jets fans hope, at least, around here. So with everything seem to be preordained or predetermined what's going to happen, what mm-hmm. do the players do to keep motivated? And then set, is it just the incentive of not wanting to go 0-16? And, and who do you see on their remaining schedule that they could possibly beat? Because a lot of people thought the Raiders were their best opportunity, and they certainly gave that one away. Yeah, back in October, I, I tweeted, and I, I pulled it up the other day, the Raiders were the best chance for the Jets to win a game. Uh, I tweeted back in October. It almost came to fruition uh, this past Sunday. Um, wait, I forget the first part of your question. Um, what's the motivation, and what are the players? Oh, is, yeah. is it just the personal pride yeah. or something, not wanting to be 0-16? Yeah, so you, you saw Frank Gore, who's like 37 years old, and they're giving him the ball more than anybody. But Frank Gore was basically said that he does not want to go 0-16 in what most likely would be his final season. I talked. I had Wayne Corbett on my show, one of the most beloved Jets of all time, and he said, because he was in a similar situation uh, with the Rich Kotite team in 1996, mm-hmm. I think it was. So he was like, you know, he didn't buy into any of the nonsense going on in the locker room at that point in time. He played for himself. He was an interesting dude. He was coming out. He was trying to make the team one more year. So that's what you're seeing, starting to see anyway. A lot of young guys just trying to make the team one more year. Um, you know, you feel bad for him. You, you don't want to – I mean, you go to work knowing you're going to lose every single day. Not easy, you know. And I'm sure that the motivation is down there. And that's why they need a guy to come in, a head coach, and just – with instant credibility, and I, I'm on the Bill Cower train like yesterday, you know. So, <laughs> but and again, I don't know what uh, you know the motivation is for Cower. Cower has turned off, turned down so many jobs, and the Jets have have not hired a quality coach in in the last decade at least. But yeah, uh, since well, Rex Ryan. yeah, exactly. All right, so the Jets got they got to face the Seahawks this week. Travel up to Seattle. That's it. Uh, face an angry Seattle team. Then they well, got they the Rams. They lost to a New York team. Exactly. <laughs> they got the Rams, they got the Browns, and they got to travel to Foxborough to play the Patriots. So, yeah, it looks like 0-16. And you could maybe say, okay, maybe that Patriots game at the end, but now the yeah. way the Patriots are, are playing, they're a legitimate playoff team, and that's going to be a game that the Patriots are going to have to so, win. Seattle might be an easier game than the Patriots, yeah. the way the two so, teams are playing right yeah, now. It's 0-16. <laughs> All right, Daniel McCartan joins us, WFAN Radio in New York. Let's talk about those Giants. They pulled off a huge upset in Seattle. 
battle. All of a sudden, it's the Giants in Washington in the NFL, rather in the NFC least. Uh, thoughts mm-hmm. on the Giants actually being a playoff team? Because we've always said, okay, this whole division is garbage, but we really can't see anyone. Then the, the people were talking about the Eagles about four weeks ago. They've hit the skids, obviously, made that quarterback change today. Then all of a sudden, they said, okay, maybe Dallas will, will get this thing right. Then all of a sudden, it was Washington, and then now we're talking about the Giants. So it looks like it's going to come down to the Giants and Washington. Give us your thoughts. Uh, well, first, if, if it does come down to the Giants and Washington, the Giants actually have the tiebreaker in right. that scenario. So the Giants will win the East. Uh, listen, I, I am totally uh, – like, I'm a Jets fan, but I root, I root for both teams. So the Giants – um, I've been on their train for a long time just by the Joe Judge mentality of uh, you see it day in and day out here in New York anyway. Like these guys are playing hard for him. They're playing up for him. Like if you're a good coach, which I am a coach myself, if you're a good coach, your, your kids, they, or my kids anyway, they play up for you. You know, they want to do well for you. And that's what you're seeing in New York. If there's like an emoji to describe the Giants right now, it's that one that's like a line graph and it's just pointing straight up. That's the Giants, whereas the rest of the NFC East is kind of in flux. You mentioned the quarterback thing in, in Philadelphia, but first of all, I don't know how the Washington football team beat the Steelers. That's my first thing. But Giants on, as a playoff team, I actually I could tell you, I, I put money on the Giants to be a playoff team a couple months ago. I took plus 2,100 odds I got them at to be a playoff team. And I actually had them also winning this game this past week in Seattle. I believe in the New York Giants, even though – they were ten and a half point underdogs in that game. So, I mean, I am a believer of the Giants from the beginning. Everybody now is starting to really believe in them, but I've seen it from the beginning and it starts again, right from the coaching staff on down. I mean, despite this team having all kinds of injuries, losing Saquon Barkley and the, mm-hmm. court, the quarterback situation, yeah, they continue to play some, some good football. So, all right, Daniel, we appreciate the, the time today. Uh, tell our listeners where they can hear you and also follow you. Yeah, I guess we'll start with uh, Twitter. If you have Twitter, it's at Coach, M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. If you're on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. That's my two main things. Um, and then I have my weekly show, Saturday nights. It's here anyway. It's 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. Saturday nights into Sunday. So whatever time that is out there in Vegas. There it is. It's, it's, prime, it's, prime, it's prime time here in Vegas. What are you talking about? 11 p.m. on? The night out? That's, pri- that's prime time, exactly. You guys can stream it out there on the, it's, uh, the radio.com app, and then you type in WFAN, and it comes right up. Absolutely. All right. And the, uh, the powerhouse station, WFAN, in New York. All right. We appreciate it, girl. Uh, we'll keep in contact, and uh, maybe we'll talk to you playoff time, huh? Look at this. Yeah, well, maybe with the Giants. I'm, I'm down for it. Playoffs. 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 We're talking playoffs. <laughs> Let me leave you with this, all right? Who are New York fans more disgusted with right now as we sit here? Jets, Knicks, or the Mets? Uh, Mets just got a billionaire owner, so it's not them. Right. Everybody's happy that the Jets haven't won a game yet with Trevor Lawrence, so it's not them. It's obviously the Knicks. <laughs> what are they doing? They haven't made any moves. I mean, they're just a mess. They're worse. They're worse off than the Jets are, to be honest. That's terrible. In, in, in the number one media market, you've got the mm-hmm. the NBA Knicks and the NFL Jets bottom of the barrel. That is sad. Yeah. Crazy, right? How is the perception of Phil Jackson back there these days? Because <laughs> they, he was loved as a player, but uh, didn't get it done in the front office so much. 
Yeah, no, not not too liked around here, Phil Jackson. <laughs> but the short answer is that. <laughs> not a New York uh, state of mind type of guy, Phil, you know? All right, Daniel. No. Appreciate you. Be good, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks for having me, TC. Bye, Frank. There it Bye. is, Daniel McCartan. You can catch her uh, WFAN radio at McCartan after midnight. All right. It's so, interesting, too, that she mentioned that she thought that the Giants would be a playoff team, but does she think that they can do something in the playoffs? Yeah, I don't think. Again. I mean, someone from that division has to be a playoff yeah. team. I will say this about the Giants. In watching just about every snap of that game against the Seahawks on Sunday, yeah, I, I, I bet Seattle. Everyone was going to Seattle. You heard Chuck Esposito yesterday talk about how everybody had Seattle, at least on a teaser or money line parlay. But the the Giants showed up, and the Giants showed up defensively. This team is playing some good football. Washington is playing some good football. And you know why both these teams are playing good right now? Because of the defensive side of the ball. They are getting it done. Both these teams are challenged offensively, especially the quarterback position. As much as we all want to see Alex Smith do well, you know, Alex had some moments last night, but, you know, he was, he was pretty dreadful at times. And, and the Giants, they had Colt McCoy quarterback in this team. I ain't seen McCoy that good since his days at Texas. And it's not like he was great, but you know what? As Coach Fossil told us on Friday, yes. the turnovers, they're not, they're not beating themselves. They're allowing the defense to keep them in games, and they're finding ways to win. Yeah, absolutely correct. Yeah, But the Giants, are they intriguing? Can they pull off an upset? Uh, I think. And what I like about the Redskins, I like Ron Rivera. And I like the way Ron Rivera has approached this team. And he's he's very you know, he's got that experience, but he's very open and honest with his team as well, too. And he said that you know he really didn't know who his team was the first four weeks of the season. He did not know. And he had to make a tough choice. A lot of people, you know, wanted him to to play Haskins or Ohio State boy because they drafted him. And he said, you know what? He's not cutting it. He's not ready. I'm going to have to make this move. And then it wasn't really until they went with the veteran in Alex Smith and not even knowing what you have with Alex Smith coming off that horrific injury. But the Reds, here we go, the Redskins. I said it, I almost said it again. This time I actually and, said and, it. And you did. You but did, that's okay. You said it that time and once before. Yeah. We should start putting an over-under on how many times you say it and how many times you just barely don't say it or whatever. Yeah, right. Okay, Washington, whatever. But you know what? If I want to say Redskins, why can't I say Redskins? Just say the team in Burgundy. The team in Burgundy. Exactly. Because <laughs> anyway. their, their, their uniforms aren't even red. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> true. So, but, by, by the way, um, you, you mentioned that game with uh, Pittsburgh real quick. I just saw where Tomlin has uh, been quoted as saying, if our receivers can't start catching the ball, they will be replaced. Worst in the NFL, drop passes. Unbelievable. And, uh, again, when you look at the And, and with some of their historic receivers over time, they must be oh. watching this going, what is going – Big Ben's got to be back there going, I'm sorry I hit you in the hands again. You know, it's just lack of concentration. And, again, you don't have a lot of veteran leadership in, in that core back there. You don't. If Juju Smith-Schuster is your most veteran guy – I mean, come on, Claypool's a rookie out of Notre Dame. Other guys, you know, first, second-year guys, no, it's, it's a little scary. And this defense has been decimated by injuries, and that's their calling card. Yeah. And, and we talked about it the last – when they did beat the Ravens on that game that was pushed back so many times, that injury to Dupree is a big injury. I don't think a lot of people realize – because the Steelers, when they have been winning, they've still been winning with their defense. You know, their offense hasn't been great because of the drop passes and their offensive line woes and stuff like that. You lose, you lose a player like that on the defense, that's bigger than a lot of people give it credit for. I know it's not going to change a line, 
but it can change some W's into L's. Yeah, no doubt. All right, we come back on the other side. Uh, we'll talk about the quarterback change in Philadelphia, give you some more NFL thoughts, and also uh, some breaking news with UNLV Rebel Basketball as well. Uh, at least it's not the type of breaking news that we talked about on the football side a little bit earlier. So we'll hit that. Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin on a terrible Tuesday. Hey, this is Robert De Niro, and you're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. It's good. Don't forget, get the William Hill mobile app. Get it on your phone, and then get on over to one of the great William Hill Sportsbooks. Deposit at least $50 into your brand-new account. They will match it with an additional $50. Got to use the promo code TC50. Use that code TC50 and get yourself an extra $50 in the account. When you deposit, go over to any of the William Hill Sportsbooks located all around town, especially the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, our Friday home. Reeling in the years coming back. You like reeling in the years. Yeah, that's yeah, not bad. A little Steely Dan. Yeah. You know, saw Steely Dan, one of the last concerts that I saw before the pandemic hit. Yeah. And, and, you know, the funny thing about that is when they were touring in that, when they were in their, at their prime, they didn't tour. That was one of their things, that they were the right. band that didn't tour in that, and you couldn't, so you had to buy their albums or whatever. Now that they're in their twilight years and that, now all of a sudden they're torn. And I've heard mixed reviews on their shows. Well, I was gonna, that's what I was going <laughs> to say. I mean, there was a reason why they didn't tour back in the day. And, uh, yeah, it was – I'm not going to say it was a bad show because, you know, the song still sounded good and everything. But uh, I've heard other people say it the, was a bad show. Yeah, yeah, yeah the, vo- the vocals were, were not good. And um, – I think, you know, at, at this point in time, was it Donald Fagan, right? Mm-hmm. Was he the lead singer? I believe, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Still did not, uh, it, it was not good. It was, Should have brought it, auto-tune with him? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it was not good. So, but anyway, that's... Uh, so were you reeling in your seat? I was I was okay, actually, with it. You know, okay. I was okay. But, you were not breakdancing, but, though. But for, the, but for the people that paid money for their tickets, I think they were probably reeling in their seat and reeling for the refund. You know what I mean? <laughs> they they were going back to play the reels and try to get that triple uh, seven right. or something. Have some kind of winner that night. All right, we've got Tuesday night football coming your way tonight. We've got the Dallas Cowboys who haven't played since Thanksgiving Day and just imploded, especially in the second half of that game when they got waxed by the Washington Football Team. So Dallas back in action. Uh, against the Baltimore Ravens, who we know that story. They were played shorthanded without Lamar Jackson and without their core running backs against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Jackson's in for this game, correct? Jackson is in, but he hasn't practiced, but he's going to play. Oh, we're talking so, practice, yeah. man. So they got enough guys that, that are back. <laughs> the Ravens are an 8.5-point favorite. They're 6-5. and five. They've lost three in a row. Cowboys are 3-8, and eight, obviously going nowhere. But something still tells me that I don't really want to lay eight and a half with the with the Ravens in this game. Now, Lamar Jackson will be your quarterback, and uh, you know Gus Edwards probably still be carrying the load for them from the running back position. But you know, the, again, they are going to have several of their guys back. But uh, the Ravens, thirty first in the NFL in passing the football. You know, I'm not a Lamar Jackson fan. I think this line is probably where it's at. It's unplayable for me at eight and a half. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't play it, but I, I, I will question one of the same things. When you said the Cowboys obviously going nowhere, as bad as that record is, if they win this game, they're 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 still in the mix in the East. 
But you're, you're talking with teams no, I mean, now that it, have probably with the way the Giants and the and Washington are playing. I I agree right. with you, but I mean they're not mathematically out of it in that garbage <laughs> division. Oh no, because right now they're two and a half games back. You know, right now. Yeah, so they lose it. They're one and a half back. Right. I right. mean, it's not undoable. They're certainly no. one at a time, and they're not a good team, and they probably don't have some tiebreakers. But as ridiculous as it sounds, they're not completely out of it because of where they play. Yeah. And one of those teams, by the way, is going to host a game. I know. I know. And again, you got to remember, <laughs> these guys still got division games against each other. So I know with the Cowboys, if you want to play the schedule game with them, they've got the Ravens tonight. Then they got to go to Cincinnati, obviously, without their starting quarterback anymore. Then they host the 49ers. Then you close up against the Eagles and the Giants, your divisional foes. Obviously, the Eagles will probably be out of it, but you never know. Maybe they have some new life with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback, but then you close at the Meadowlands uh, against the Giants. That's the Cowboys' remaining schedule. So, no, I mean, this this division is not going to be decided until the final day of the season, just like we said before. Yeah, probably not. But what is the win total for the winner of this division? So right now, 5-7, and seven, you got the Giants in Washington. Is it 7-9 and nine at best? If you're 8-8, eight and eight, I think you probably win it for sure. Uh, 500 will win it. There's a good chance we see a team that's under 500 winning it. On an offshoot, too, and I know we didn't talk, but from the games last night in that, you mentioned they have the 49ers coming up on their schedule, and I know we didn't do it as a terrible Tuesday, but um, when the Niners thought that they had that one touchdown to bring it within 10, and the receiver gets the ball and he spins it around and he's jumping up and down and celebrating that, and then the replay shows he wasn't in, and then they end up throwing the interception and not even getting the touchdown, I'm sure that you're, well, I don't want to totally assume this, but when you see stuff like that, and even if they got the touch on their still 10, I'm looking going, what are you celebrating? And then to not get it, I thought that was all poetic justice. But, boy, both those teams were running up and down the field. Like, the other team had no defense whatsoever for a good part of that game. Yeah, and remember how the game started last night as well, too. The game, you know, Buffalo went all the way down to the two-yard line, went for it on fourth and goal from the two threw an errant pass into the fourth row. They didn't score. Niners go down for a 98-yard drive, and then they fumble. And then Buffalo comes back, and then they fumble, and the Niners finally score. I mean, it was a crazy, crazy game, and you're right. I mean, the, the, the total yardage was, was insane. They went up and down the field, but back to that play that you're talking about, that when that happened, and I thought it was a touchdown. I, I don't know how you can determine when you call it a touchdown to overturn it. And then you get the ball right there at the inch line, and you can't punch it in. And well, you get a guy a like Nick Mullins. Um, illegal, illegal procedure yeah, put on, back the the yeah. on, yeah. on the quarterback. On Nick Mullins. He starts yeah. shuffling his feet yeah. you, you see on the quarterback. You see him shuffling and jumping back. Like, oh, and then, it, oh, stupid. Wait, then the snap didn't come. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. So at that point in time, I said, they're not getting in. <laughs> they, they're not going to get it. You can just tell. But back to the celebration, not only did he spin the ball and do all that, he went back to the sidelines Ends high-fiving everybody minutes and minutes. They get a commercial break. They come back. He's still thinking he's got it. Yep. I mean, he must have celebrated for three or four minutes. But, yeah, that, that, was, that was insane. And those celebrate again, we see that one there. And, and, again, I get that you were excited that you got the touchdown. You would still be down two scores. And the other celebration that we see, and now this is a total 100% 2020 thing in the empty stadiums, when you see these teams now when they do something, especially defense, if they get a turnover, now they're all running over to the big screen so they can see themselves on the big screen there in the stadiums and doing their dances and the whole defense gets together and they're jumping up and down and dancing and choreographing and that. 
Tell me how that's different from way back when, when the Washington team, when they had a name, used to have the Smurfs and things like that. These guys are doing choreographed routines in the end zone in front of the big screen. Those are how they can see themselves. Well, there's no fans, but look at us now. They all got their helmets off and everything else. When did that quit being a penalty? I know, I know. That actually happened in the game the other day as well, too. It happened at like yeah. three or four times this week yeah. in the NFL think, games when I was surfing around. I'm like, this is going on yeah. everywhere. This used to be a penalty. Now, what, it's 2020, so we got to let them have some kind of a celebration? Yeah. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, more NFL news uh, to talk about. The Philadelphia Eagles, Doug Peterson made the change official today. Jalen Hurts is your new Philadelphia Eagles quarterback. I, for one, uh, am, am happy about this. Carson Wentz has not done anything for the past two seasons. He's the most sack quarterback in the National Football League. We've talked about that. Well, that's something. It, yeah, there you go. <laughs> but here's the deal. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, there's so many other things that the Eagles need to fix. It's not going to matter who your quarterback is. And people are, are pretty much split on this, whether they should stick with Wentz or go with, go with Jalen Hurts. And the reason Doug Peterson made the move was that, hey, we need a spark. He made that change towards the end of the Packers game. And Jalen Hurts, and we talked about it before, you know, high completion uh, percentage, one of the best in college at Alabama and Oklahoma, you know, over 70%. Then he, he leads the Eagles to a touchdown, and they get within one score. He looked pretty good, ended up throwing an interception, which was no fall of his own, a diving pick by uh, one of the Packer defenders. And uh, and the Packers, you know, tacked on another touchdown to get the cover there with the with the seventy seven yard run by Aaron Jones. But the bottom line is this: if you're going to select a guy in the second round, okay, and if you're selecting someone in the first or second round, there's a reason you're doing that, okay. He's he's not going to be a bench player. He's not going to be a guy that you're going to cut. All right. Yes, they made the huge mistake of paying Carson Wentz all that money. But the bottom line is they should have never done that in the beginning. And I think they knew that. That's why they took a gamble on, on Jalen Hurts in the second round. And you know what? If you're going to talk about the college player, Jalen Hurts, versus the college player of Carson Wentz, my friend, it's no contest. Because I saw Carson Wentz several times at North Dakota State. And it was because that was a weak quarterback crop that he went so high. You know, in the first round, and the Eagles nabbed him. Jalen Hurts, give this guy the opportunity. He's a more accurate passer. He's the the smarter player. And sure, he's young. He's probably going to make some mistakes. And he's got a lot of question marks surrounding him. I know that offensive line. But guess what? He can get out and move. He can get out and run. And I think he's going to be fine. So if you give me my choice, and I said it from the beginning, I will take Jalen Hurts over Carson Wentz, mostly because of the accuracy problems. Carson Wentz has not been accurate at all. We can talk about the sacks, but inaccurate. Well, you can throw that is the main reason that you do it, but to me it's 1-1A. One one you just said all the people out there that are saying, it doesn't matter who's at quarterback because the team's so bad everywhere else. If you have a quarterback with zero mobility, who's leading the league by far in, in the amount of times he's getting sacked, how can you tell me that a quarterback that has some escapability and can run a little bit wouldn't make a difference? You're not going to get sacked as much. You might not have more completions, but you probably will because of the accuracy. But if nothing else, at least he can probably get outside the pocket and throw the ball away. That's more than Wentz can do, and I know that Hurts got sacked in that game. Well, you're still going to get sacked sometimes, especially when you're playing good teams. And again, as much as I hate to admit it, the Packers are a good team. They're one of the elite teams in the NFL. Not necessarily the greatest defensive team, but they were on a roll there. They knew that they were passing. 
But how can you say it's going to make zero difference if you're getting sacked more than anybody? How can putting a quarterback into mobility not be an upgrade, an improvement? To say that it makes nothing shows you know nothing. Mm -hmm. And when you look at putting a rookie in there, you can always make the argument, okay, is is the team going to play hard for a rookie quarterback? I think Jalen Hurts is viewed by these guys as they all knew what he did at Alabama, and he comes across as a very nice and humble and smart guy. And I believe that he's not going to have a problem in that huddle. And we've seen him when he's you know, just had his little spot duty during, you know, during the course of the, you know, the first 10, 11 games. And then he finally got more action there in the fourth quarter uh, against the Packers. I think he's going to be okay. And when you look at the other teams that went with rookie quarterbacks, like the Chargers, I think there was a lot of hesitancy there. Like, okay, well, you know, how, how, how is Herbert going to do? He's done fabulous. I think because he's done so well, that's what led Brian Flores to going with Tua as well over Fitzpatrick when they were playing so well. They said, you know what? We're, we're going to go with the young guy because we believe it. And Tua has been up and down, okay? But with a Herbert situation, even though they lost 45 to nothing, really wasn't his fault that they got they got blitz and they've lost so many close games that they're probably at the end now and Anthony Lynn's going to be looking for another job and and their season is over now but he's it, been the one bright spot he, for him exactly that's my point exactly and I think Jalen Hurts can be that for the Eagles as well, well and the other thing about it too here here you we're talking about Wentz you know that Wentz is making more than he should Wentz has proven, as you said, over the past couple of seasons, he can't get the job done. Whether it's mechanics, whether it's accuracy, whether he just doesn't know what to do when he's in the pocket. I know uh, quarterbacks that have done the games, the last couple of games I've seen from him, they say that his mechanics are wrong. He runs the wrong way. He runs into, the, into sacks and things like that. So he's obviously not comfortable back there. But in a season that's pretty much you're done anyhow, even in that division, why would you not see what you have? Why would you not put Hurts in there right now to see, like, okay, we took a shot on this guy. We think he's got talent, even if he wasn't an upgrade, which I think we're both in agreement here that he is because of the accuracy and the mobility. See what you have right now. You get to get on-the-job training. Right. I know I said it before last week or something, and I'm not saying he's going to win Super Bowls like Troy Aikman did. I believe Aikman was 1-15 in his rookie year. Sometimes you have to learn. Herbert. Not having a great season record-wise, but getting a lot of experience and opening up a lot of eyes. We see he's got talent. This is the time to play Hurts. As a matter of fact, it's probably past the time. Who knows, if they would have started Hurts a little bit earlier in that division, they might still be right in the thick of it. Absolutely, exactly. And I think the the success that Joe Burrow had, the number one overall pick, and again, Jalen Hurts finished second in the Heisman voting to, um, to Burrow. So you, you look at look at his success now. Unfortunately, he's injured, but because of the success these other guys have had, I think Doug Peterson, who is a former quarterback himself, saying, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with this guy. And again, I love the draft pick. I'm not sure if it's the right fit or not, but to pick Jalen Hurts there in the second round, I'm glad he's getting an opportunity to prove himself. Now, they're going against the Saints, you know, the top team in the NFC. It's going to probably be rough. For them, especially, again, with all the problems they got, offensive line, defensive line, the secondary and everything. And it's not like the Eagles have this great array of receivers as well. But I'll be watching very, very closely, let them finish out the last four games and see where it goes. But uh, it can't be any worse than Carson Wentz. And I think you, know, you and I are in agreement with that. Okay, so we're talking about, uh, you mentioned the game last night. I got a couple thoughts here. Uh, very disappointed and 
this is definitely a terrible Tuesday here. We were trying to watch the game intently yesterday because we had that double header of the Pittsburgh Steelers in, in Washington, and it was at 2 o'clock. So we're trying to follow here. We really couldn't get any coverage, no, no television, right? And I, I get back home, and I want to watch the second half of this game. We couldn't watch it locally. It was not on local TV. It was a Fox game, like I pointed out here on the air yesterday, and our local Fox 5 decided not to air the game. And why did And why did they not air the game? Because they would rather uh, air their local news. Now, the news, I believe, I'm not sure, I have to look it up. Their news starts maybe at 4, 4.30, 5 o'clock. It's before 5 because I got home before 5. So they have their long news block. When you have a NFL football game with the undefeated Steelers and this hot Washington team, people are expecting to watch it. We could have watched it on Sunday. They would have aired it. So if you move it to a Monday, I don't care if it's afternoon, and you're not married to the programs, your syndicated shows, or your reruns that you're showing at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, and you say, you know what? we got to air our news at 4 o'clock. No, you just air your news after the game like you would on a Sunday. Or like NBC does, you know, Sunday night, they, they air it, right? Our friend Brian Salmon and their, their sports show, and then the news immediately air. To make a decision to say our news is going to, I hate to use the word, trump an NFL football game, a, a team that everyone wanted to see that was 11-0? Are you kidding me? No one in Las Vegas got a chance to watch this football game. And by the way, it came down to the final play of the game. The Steelers lost the game, uh, you know, uh, by six points, 23 to 17. And no one in Las Vegas watched it or was able to watch it. So what you're saying is the local Fox affiliate, yes, as far as the NFL goes, just made the moving the game because of the tree lighting as. The now second most embarrassing thing that happened to an NFL game this year. Right. Because at least it yes. was on. Yes. Yes, exactly. But exactly. Because from a local standpoint, everybody else in the country and got and, to see it. And Pittsburgh was involved us. in both of those games. Exactly. And maybe they just don't like the Steelers. Maybe there's somebody that doesn't like it. Why wasn't it on NFL Network? Because it was a CBS thing and a they don't Fox. have the affiliation It was a Fox there? game. Well, too bad. It was a Fox game. You but, have NFL Network. It should yes, be on there. No, no. At least that should be an alternative. It was. It was on NFL Network. Do you know when it was on? The moment the game was over. Because contractually, that's what they had to abide right. by. They couldn't show it live because Fox had the there rights. There you go. So at 5 we o'clock. We can't show it live because the station that's not showing yes. it has the rights to so it. So at 5 o'clock, they started it from the beginning. Yes, exactly. And it's not one of those Thursday contractual deals where Fox or CBS share it with the NFL Network. So that's why on the Thursday night, so I immediately went to that. Wait, I know it's a Fox game. What? It's not here? What are you talking about? Oh, okay. I guess it's going to be on NFL Network. No, it wasn't. I'm watching some old, some highlights. Why couldn't they put yeah. it on Fox Sports 1 or one of the other things? Or I checked like that, that too. too. What do I got? I got fishing. I got fishing or bowling or something. I got all that nonsense. Exactly. Go to FS1. But you know why, Frank? Of course they're not going to do it because everyone else in the country was watching it on Fox. So it's not going to be on FS1 because FS1 has their own programming because regular Fox is airing it everywhere in the country except Las Vegas, Nevada.
So that's why you couldn't find anywhere else. wonder if they had a disclaimer on NFL Network saying, in case you miss it, which if you're in Vegas, you did. Here's the uh, here's the that's NFL like, game. So so they were reeling in the fish. Yes, that that's <laughs> like these programs or games that get preempted, like for the telethons. You know, it's like you, there's nowhere else to go. They're, they're, we're going to air our telethon, and we can't send you to another channel locally. And maybe we that's can't do the it. reason. I know the Fox News isn't a telethon, but they needed the toy drive update. Oh, is that it's what it right was? It's right down yeah. the street from us no. here. I, I can't it on the believe. Way in I here. can't believe they didn't get inundated with phone calls, and I can't believe that you would think that your news needed to take place at that time when you could have just aired your news after that game. It was only going to be an hour later. There was probably, Am I wrong with this? There was probably breaking news of a story that they showed yeah. six times during the news that day. I believe. UNLV's basketball game got canceled uh, for tomorrow night against Eastern Washington. It was a 6.30 tip. Uh, one member of the Rebels, they're not saying player coaching staff, uh, has COVID symptoms. So uh, they got the news to Eastern Washington before they got on a plane to travel here to Vegas. But there you go. And, and man, we're, we're going to continue to see uh, this oh, yes. throughout. I mean, yes. this, this is just the beginning, folks. Yeah. A lot of good college basketball games tonight. We've got the Illini taking on Duke. Tonight, you got that game and uh, several others uh, as well, too. So I think I just saw a thing, too, where Houston has shut down their basketball operations for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And like I said, it's going to be it's a fluid thing. All right, we want to end on this note here today. Uh, historic day. Uh, fifth, uh, 40 years ago to the date, you may remember, is the, uh, the passing of John Lennon, uh, one of the greatest singer-songwriters of all time, member of the Beatles, and... Uh, a lot of sad thoughts, and I think what comes to mind for our sports fans, and uh, you and I are old enough to remember this, 40 years ago, we were watching Monday Night Football, and the game was between the uh, Dolphins and the Patriots. It had playoff implications. Yeah, I think the Pats were coming out to yes. kick a field goal. And it, it, w- it went down to overtime. It went into overtime, and John Smith uh, actually got his kick blocked by the Patriots. There's an old school name for you. And the Dolphins won, uh, propelled the, you know, them into the playoffs uh, that year. And Monday Night Football with Frank Gifford, Fran Tarkenton, and Howard Cosell were doing that game. And uh, the story there is that there was a guy from ABC who was one of the news guys who was in the hospital getting treated. He was in a bicycle accident. And they were taking him on a gurney, and he heard the doctor said, John Lennon just got brought in here. And he said, excuse me, uh, doctor, did you say John Lennon? He goes, yeah. And they found out he got shot. So the moment he was able to get in his room, he called the producers at ABC News. And this got word, and then they confirmed it. And then they went to the truck there for Monday Night Football. The game was being played in Miami and said, hey, we have to uh, announce this. And it was confirmed that John Lennon was shot in front of his apartment. And uh, he died on the way to the hospital. And uh, about 11.15 p.m. that evening, uh, Howard Cosell announced it on Monday Night Football. John Smith is on the line, and I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game, no matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back rushed to Roosevelt Hospital, dead on arrival. It's hard to go back to the game after that news flash, which in duty found we had to take. 
Frank. Indeed it is. All right, so Howard Cosell. Now, when they got that news, they during the commercial break prior to that, because there was a timeout on the field, less than 40 seconds to go, and they said, hey, how are we going to handle this? Should we announce it? Should we not? We're coming to the end of a game here. And uh, Howard Cosell, who knew John Lennon very well, said, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll take this and do it, and, and did a very nice job. Yeah, and, of course, John Lennon shot uh, by somebody who he had seen. He had met earlier in that day who had actually signed an autograph for. Uh, him and Yoko went to the recording studio, did some work on some recordings, came back, and then the same person that he had just been talking to earlier that day, signed an autograph for, decided that he was going to make himself famous. And you heard Howard Cosell there say that he was shot twice in the back. Uh, of course, we know that he was actually shot more times four than times. that. Four times. Four times. And it was just, I mean, just, just a horrific day. And John Lennon, who had moved to New York because he loved the city, he loved the United States, even though he was from England, he said that he liked that he could walk around that, that neighborhood and, and, you know, instill some kind of obscurity, visit with people and not be mobbed and bothered in that. Just an absolute horrific event and, and a great loss. And 40 years later, it's still painful. It is. Exactly. All right. We'll end on that note. We're back at it again tomorrow. Make sure that uh, you join us then. If you miss any part of the show, go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. <laughs>